Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. 5-4 in a shootout. Flames fall to the New York Islanders in a uh, back-and-forth game here as we welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show on a Saturday night. Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head immediately to the Flames locker room, get some post-game reaction from Connor Zeri, who picked up a couple of assists in this game tonight. Connor, really appreciate the time. Uh, a hard-fought game on both sides. Just uh, how did you see this one out there tonight? Yeah, uh, like you said, it was hard-fought, I think. We had our game for for most of the time, but there was a, a few minutes here and there where where we weren't at our at top of our game, and I think that's where we kind of let it slip a bit. But overall, I thought um, we were there, our performance was there, and and uh, I guess take the positive out of take the point and, and kind of move on. Uh, how did you like your group's fight and battle level in this game, battling back from uh, two different deficits? Yeah, I think, like I said, um, for most of the game, I thought maybe not on the scoreboard, but on the ice, we, we kind of had our game going and, and we were all over them and, and we were able to kind of dictate. But when those few minutes that we left off left off the gas a little bit is, is when they were able to crawl back into it. But obviously, any time you can come back from a deficit multiple times and, and keep fighting is, is a good sign for your group. It's, it's been kind of a, a constant for your group, and I know that you don't like to fall down necessarily, but just overall, your group's ability to erase leads and stick with it, how is that built over the last couple of weeks here? 100%. I think, like you've seen, uh, we, we've found our game a little bit and and we're we're playing how we want to play most of the time and and uh we're not really worried about you know what you give up one uh go uh who really cares and, and you kind of yeah. just go back out at them and 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 play your game and keep attacking keep pressuring them in the offensive zone and and i think we did that for 55 minutes tonight and a final thought for you connor uh you and and nazim kadri have formed a, a really nice connection now you've got martin on your right side as well but uh, with you and, and nazim specifically why do you think that's been such a great fit for you such a great fit for him yeah i think just from from my terms, I think just that's that's a guy who's an all-star. He's, a, he's an amazing player. He kind of commands the puck through the middle of the ice, and, and that's what you want, a, a guy in the middle who, who kicks it out to his wingers and, and makes plays for them and opens up space for them. So I think it's been it's been great for me and just learning from him and seeing the things he does, especially with his hockey IQ and his talent out there. It's It's been it's been amazing. I think it just, just clicked. Connor, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck on Monday, hey? Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That is Connor Zeri postgame following tonight's 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders as we are underway on our Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. So the Flames uh, are unable to win a third consecutive game for the first time this year. So they'll have to reset that quest again but on the uh, bright side they extend their point streak to three games they're 4-1-2 in their last seven games they pick up a single point in this one back and forth they went against the New York Islanders Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills around the table on our Flames Talk post game show and uh, Mick uh, was uh, was just talking to Connor about you know good battle level shown by the Flames maybe it wasn't as um, picture perfect at all times detail wise for the Flames but they've shown a remarkable amount of 
of resilience here over the last two, two and a half weeks. They did so again tonight, erasing a couple deficits. They only get the one point, but at the same time, I think they can come away from this one feeling. Maybe, like, again, they were able to fight back and, and earn a point as opposed to maybe losing a point in this game. Well, that's definitely the positive that's taken away is just that they were able to come away with the point and they, they battled back hard, so you have to give them credit for that, but... In order to win that game, they needed a, a much more complete effort from start to finish. And I thought at points of the game, they got just outworked, outbattled, and outpositioned as well in terms of having support when they're when they were in the battles. And a few too many turnovers for my liking. I, I hate turnovers. <laughs> they drive me crazy. I think it's because I used to be so hard on myself when I would turn the puck over. So uh, just eliminating some of those turnovers and... Uh, better shifts after goals as well. But like I said, a great job to battle back and, and to get a point. And they really put the heat on at the end of the game and in the overtime. Yeah. I didn't love them in the first 40 minutes. I'm not going to lie. But with that said, uh, I give the Islanders some credit. They probably should have been the more desperate of the two teams tonight. They came in with seven straight losses. And I thought that they look like the more desperate of the two groups in the first two periods. But you know, the Flames, to their credit, to down 3-1, battle back and tie, down 4-3, answer back. And, and to your point, Pat, and, and Megan, you brought it up as well, they pick up an important point in this game against the Islanders tonight. But uh, two points was on the table for the Flames in this one. If they had been better in the first two periods, if they had capitalized on more of their opportunities in the third period, this game probably doesn't go to overtime or to a shootout. But... Uh, Certainly some uh, bright spots for the Flames in this one. Um, our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Uh, Aaron Vickers and I on the pregame show were focusing on, hey, look, those were big building block games uh, for Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto Thursday against the Vancouver Canucks. And and I, I'm not saying I thought Lindholm played poorly tonight, but I thought the guy that, that did take a step was, was Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. in the final 40 minutes especially, that he looked like a dynamic player. His... his uh, uh, playmaking was on. He was around it. He picks up the single point, but I, I thought that just from a danger level and an effectiveness level and a dynamic level, that was uh, probably even better than what we saw on Thursday when he had the goal and an assist. I thought I thought Huberdeau was one of their more dangerous players tonight. His shootout attempt left a little to be desired. That's, that's <laughs> but the fact that he was given an opportunity in the shootout, uh, I think, tells a story. Uh, if Ryan Hoska didn't agree with you, Pat, I don't think that he would have put Jonathan Huberto out there with a chance to, to give the Flames the lead in the shootout. But I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Megan and I talked about it on the broadcast. He made some plays tonight that reminded me much more of the Jonathan Huberto that had 115 points two years ago than the guy who had 55 points last season. It looked like he had a little swagger tonight. And he made the simple plays look simple, and he made... The difficult plays look pretty easy at times, which is what he has a unique ability to do to complete those low percentage passes. And, 
he was having a hard time completing a two-foot pass with yeah. uh, with nobody between him and his intended target at times this season. But uh, it looks like he's starting to come around, which is great for him and great for the Flames. Well, and, and here's the, uh, the the final rundown, Mick. He uh, had five shots, five attempts. All five of them got on net. Mm-hmm. All five of his attempts were from the scoring chance area, so kind of just outside the house, and four of them from the slot. So he was dangerous. He was around it, and that's what you that's what you need to see from your most dynamic offensive player. I think before Jonathan Huberdeau played his first game as a member of the Flames, we all would have said, who's the most dynamic offensive player? Number 10. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he looked like that tonight again. That, that's another I mean, that's a that's a big stepping stone game for him. Well, and you know why he's been better? Is he is trusting his instincts out there and he is not thinking. He is just playing the game. He's when moving he gets his feet the puck, too. yeah, he's moving his feet. He's been more physical, more engaged. Just looks, just looks like he's playing the game instead of thinking. He's reacting uh, to the plays and and moving it when he sees it. Versus uh, when I talked to him the other morning, he said he was hanging on to it for sort of a, a half a second too long. And in this league, when you wait a half a second, it's most of the time it's too late. So he's just he's trusting his instincts. He's making the plays as he sees them. He's shooting the puck more. He's been a lot more physical. And like you said, Wilsey, he is skating better. And then here's the other thing I wanted to bring up uh, before Dan Lambert joins us and we uh, start going inside the Flames locker room. Um, another great night for the line of Kadri, Zeri, and Pospisil. Ryan Huska is feeding them with offensive zone starts, and they are pounding opposition uh, opposing lines. Tonight they were on the ice at 5-on-5 five five for 17-4 to four shot attempts. That's uh, just under 81% on the shot share. They were 2 nothing goals for, 12-2 shots for and against, 10-3 scoring chances, and 5 nothing at high danger. That, you know, Sharon Govich was good on that line, and we were like, oh, should you take Sharon Govich? off that line. Pospisil's been better there. He was one of the two or three best players on the ice tonight. Mick, Mick that line is like they, they have found something there and they've got something that they can just keep going back to. Well, and as they should give them the most ozone starts, they're by far the most dangerous, threatening, and creative in terms of generating opportunities when they're out there. Seems like every time they're out there they're yeah. creating something and doing something. But I said at one point in the broadcast to Wilsey that Martin Pospisil was the Flames' best player tonight, and he's just been like he's he's fast, he's physical, and he can score. And to me, he's just the the total package. And love the way he plays, just with his intensity and his grid. And that line, I mean, they just complement one another so well. You've heard Kadri talk about Zary's ability to to make plays and to find him and to get him the puck. And then you have the size and the speed and the physicality of Martin Pospisil, and he's looked really fast lately and just really using his speed to drive yeah. plays. A team high, six shots and seven attempts, uh, tied for second in hits with three, uh, had a takeaway, no giveaways, uh, scored a goal, and he's been the big surprise for me on that line, and one of the big surprises for me this season. I mean, his two line mates are both first-round picks. Martin Pospis is a fourth-round pick who missed more games due to injury in his first four seasons than he played. So I'm not sure that many people or any people realized what the Flames had in Pospisil because he's been hurt so often. 
So, you know, he's come in and, and done a great job and playing on that uh, Kadri and the kids line, which was, again, the Flames' best tonight. Uh, strong game for, for number 76. Uh, it's Pat, Megan, Derek around the table. And now we say hello to uh, Flames assistant coach Dan Lambert. Uh, special assist to uh, Megan Mickelson for getting that headset all worked out <laughs> as well. Uh, Dan, what'd you, it, it, was a, it was definitely a, a hard-fought one out there. Kind of went back and forth all night. What did, you, uh, what did you make of this game from your group's perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think we sh- we showed a lot of resilience, you know, like <clears throat> in a game where we went down a, a few times and and we just kept fighting back and and you know you always like to see that as a co- as a as coaches. Um, I think the fans, I'm sure, like to see that as well. Unfortunately, we didn't win the skills competition, but um, I think there's a lot of uh, things that we should be should be proud of. Well, and I wanted to ask about Jonathan Huberto. Um, obviously had a great game against the Canucks the other night and just really seems like he's settled into playing the type of game that I think everyone has expected from him and making great plays and being dangerous on the ice. What would you say is the biggest change that you've seen from his play in the last few games? Well, I mean, I think, I think Jonathan feels better about himself right now. I think after scoring a big goal the other night, I think it probably lifted about 3,000 pounds <laughs> off his shoulders. And, and uh, you know, he, he has that ability, and, and it's funny what confidence does or, or lack thereof. Um, it can really, um, you know, hurt a player. And, and now we're seeing a better version of, of, of Jonathan. It, it, whether it's playmaking, whether it's competing harder at the puck, whether it's skating more, it's a little bit of ev- all of those things. Um, I think when you play with Coleman and Backlund, they, they drag you into the fight, and I think that's gone on a little bit, Which uh, and now they're complementing each other, which is, uh, you know, what, um, you know, um, I think Ryan Husk was hoping for when he put that line together. I like your uh, skating Santa socks there. You're in the spirit of <laughs> Thank the holiday you. season. <laughs> always, always. One, one thing we've noticed with Jonathan Huberto is that um, he's playing faster. Can that be said for the entire team? Because it looks to me like you guys are maybe thinking a little bit less out there and, and just reacting and playing more. Well, I think it is something that we've worked on a lot in practice over the last... Um, well, I'm going to say a few weeks for sure. Um, you know, we had a few practices there where basically that was our focus was just um, being more predictable and playing faster um, as a team. Now, it doesn't always, the game doesn't allow, always allow you to do that, but um, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind anyway that it, it feels like a lot different than it did earlier on, uh, specifically during that losing streak. Mm-hmm. We're chatting with Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach, following a 5-4 shootout setback against the Islanders. I, I asked Ryan this uh, uh, about a, I don't know, four or five days ago. I think it was actually before the Vancouver game. I asked him, it's like, are, are you surprised as to how quickly Connor has been able to translate his high level of skill at the NHL level and the confidence that he's been able to do it with. And the same with Martin Pospisil and, and his ability to be that confident so early in his NHL career. How, how surprising has that been for you as a coaching staff? Well, I think it's 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 been a, a pleasant surprise for everyone. You know, I don't think anybody anticipated um, the type of success that they've had so far. I think we were all excited to, to see what they could do at this level, but um, you know, for a lot of nights, they've been difference makers, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to, to have young players step in and do that and and do it uh, 
not just a one and done type of thing. It's it's been over and over. It's uh, yeah, it's very encouraging uh, for for the coaching staff, for management, I'm sure, and and for the fans. It's exciting. Wanted to ask about the lines. I know that they've been jumbled around a fair amount just to find a right fit. Do you guys feel like you found good line chemistry at this point with what you have right now? Well, that's a that's a tricky question because things change quickly in a good way or in a bad way in this league. So, you know, whenever things don't go well for, for a line, you I mean, it's your job to, you can't just stick with it. You know, and you have to try different things, and and there's no doubt that you know we're I think we're happier with with some of the combinations we've had. Um, you know, do we have four solid? You know, that's a, a work in progress, and I think once we get there, then we'll then we'll uh, we'll know it, and everybody will know it because we'll we'll be firing in all cylinders. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I do want to ask you about this before you guys head on the road for four. The power play. You've spent a lot of time practicing it. You've tried a bunch of different combinations, some with four forwards and one defenseman, some with three forwards and two defensemen. Over the last 17, but do you feel like it's maybe starting to turn the corner? Well, I think something good needs to happen, you know, and then and then the guys will start feeling good about it. And, and uh, you are right, we have worked on it a lot, I think, I think it's really important, you know, and, and this is what we're working on right now is just simplifying and just trying, you know, you look at the goal they scored, it was a simple shot rebound in the net, you know, and, and I think that that's what we've been we've been trying to work on and, and uh, it, it'll get there. I mean, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where we have to stay positive with it. We have to continue to work and, and, and try different things. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I know... Mark has probably lost a little bit of sleep over it, and, and uh, but in saying that, you know he's, you know it's funny when you go back to the start of the season, the first three or four games, we were really fast on the power play. A lot of good things were happening, and uh, for some reason we've gotten away from that, and we just need to get back and then continue to improve on it. Last question for you: You, you go out now on a four-game road trip that starts on Monday. Just what's your what's your evaluation of your overall team game the last little bit as as you hit the road like do you feel like you've taken some steps here in the last couple of weeks we have um there i i think you'd have to be blind if you didn't see a, a different uh the way that we're playing, you know, you guys mentioned playing faster, and, and I think, you know, there's no doubt that we've gotten there. Um, there's no doubt that our special teams, our, our PK's got to continue to improve. Our, our power play's got to continue to improve. And and uh, and we, we need, especially on this road trip, you know, we have a lot of games in a short amount of time. We need um, four lines going, and we need six or seven or whatever it is defensemen going and that's what it's going to take to to have success but no we are we are um optimistic about how this thing is going and uh, you know we do believe there's still room for improvement appreciate the time dan thank you very much good luck in seattle thank you Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach, following a uh, 5-4 shootout loss to the uh, to the they play tonight the New York Islanders here <laughs> at the uh, at the Scotia Bank. It's been one of those days. It has been one of those days. Absolutely, that's all yours. Thank you, Dan. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> 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 it's, 
it's uh, a month and a week away. It's not too early. Uh, Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach, joining us here on our Flames Talk postgame show. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Good stuff from Dan. Let's select tonight's hardest working flame now. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon is hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Was a, what was a night that I don't think was ever um, short on work ethic. That's no. for sure. What, uh, who'd you like tonight, Mick? Uh, I'm going to give it to Martin Pospisil. I just really think that his play stood out in terms of, like, if you think of hardest working, like, that guy is always working his tail off on the ice and had some big hits. I think Wilsey read off his stat line, so I don't know that I need to do that again. But just a really solid game from him as well and just love how he drives the play every single time he's on the ice. Martin Pospisil is your hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So 5-4 to shootout is your final score. And now... Quick two-game homestand turns into a four-game road trip. And as Dan said, four games in six nights for the Flames. Seattle, then the hop, skip, and a jump to Nashville. Uh, and then from Nashville to uh, Dallas and then back into Colorado and home. A lot of travel, a lot of games. It's going to be a very, very interesting road trip for the Flames uh, as they head out for four starting on Monday. I've found that with those trips, and I don't know if you agree, Megan, but if you get off to a good start, mm-hmm. things can snowball in a positive direction. And if you don't, they can go in a negative direction. Did you find that during your career? Yeah, well, and I think that just in general, things right now, I know that they didn't you know, win this game tonight, quote-unquote. I mean, shootout loss. So what Pre-game really point is streak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that they're snowballing in the right direction as it is, and they feel good about their game. They feel good about their play. So it's a matter of carrying that onto the road and and continuing to feel good about your game. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, big road trip upcoming for the Flames starting Monday against Seattle. That's an 8 o'clock face-off on the road. But before we get there, uh, I can tell you the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. We'll get to you very shortly. But first, let's get some final thoughts from our broadcast crew of Megan and Derek, starting with Mick. Yeah, needed a, a much more complete game in the first two periods. Like Wilsey mentioned, not their best. Needed to be sharper for sure their power play needs to be better they need to not take penalties when they get (laughs) onto the power play minor detail but like the way that they you know brought the heat in the the end of the third period and in the overtime as well a lot to like about their game in terms of you know knowing that you know i think there's the belief in the room now that they can find a way to win hockey games. But as Dan mentioned, they need everyone going in order to make that happen. They need four lines, 6D going, uh, and their goaltender playing well also. So I'm feeling optimistic about the way things are going right now, and this road trip is going to be very telling, very interesting. Individually for a number of players and collectively for the team, I think this was a building block. I know they lost the game and they only got one point instead of two, but hey, they were down 3-1 and then they tied it. They were down 4-3 and then they tied it. And with the way they played in the third period, they could have won it before the game got to overtime or a shootout. And as Dan said, they lost the skills competition. And one day we have to talk about 
overtime not and the skills competition. Because Do not talk to me about shootouts. Yeah, I think they should just eliminate <laughs> them or play 10 minutes of overtime and then go to the shootout, but we can have that conversation another time. But, you know, individually, two nights ago, Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm got off the schneid. You know, snapping long goal of streaks, uh, Huberto with a goal and an assist, Lindholm with a goal and two assists, and Huberto I thought was really good again, and he picks up an assist, and I don't know if Lindholm was as good as him, but still got a point and played pretty well. And then you've got the Kadri and the kids line. Copyright Megan Mickelson 2023. <laughs> uh, but Nazem Kadri with two assists. Uh, Connor Zary with two more points. He's up to eight in eight games to start his NHL career. And I thought Martin Pospisil was as good as anybody in a Flames jersey in this game. So uh, a lot of positives. And now a three-game point streak. They're second of the season. They're three points out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. Uh, and the brighter that light at the end of the tunnel gets, uh, I think the more motivating it's going to be for this team. But now a tough test. Four and six on the road against some pretty good hockey teams. So we'll see... Uh, where they sit when they come back, but they are definitely trending in the right direction, which is, it's been fun to watch. I was just going to say, for the record, I will never be a fan of the shootout because we lost <laughs> uh, the Olympic gold medal in 2018. Yeah, that's crap. Because of a shootout. So No way a gold medal game should be decided that. in a shootout. Right? That's brutal. I, uh, <laughs> I remember where I was vividly that entire shootout and that entire uh, third period in overtime. Calgary was playing Nashville uh, in, uh, in Nashville, and uh, I didn't watch a single second of the – I hosted the postgame show – didn't watch a single second of Did the Flames. Did the Flames and, win at least? Uh, no, the Predators won. Mm. I remember that, but I watched, I was like, no, I, I even said it on the postgame show. I'm like, I got to be honest, I didn't see anything I was watching. <laughs> I was watching too. And uh, I remember, I wasn't quite as heartbroken as you were, but lots of people were pretty uh. upset about that too. Uh, okay, bye friends. Uh, see Good you on night. Monday. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills signing off on this Saturday night following a Flames 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders. Flames now a 4-1-2 in their last seven games. Phone lines open, text line open. We'll get to those in just a second, but right now let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. His thoughts following a 5-4 shootout loss to the Islanders. Coach, can you uh, explain your mindset behind putting Pospisil on in, in overtime? Uh, he was one of the drivers for us in the game offensively like that line again when they were on the ice they were creating so you know give him a chance I guess this way you look at it there's something um, he's feeling really good about his game right now and unfortunately he had that opportunity it would have been great if he would have finished but he deserved to be out there do you, do you sense that the confidence in this group is growing Blake kind of alluded to guys who are stepping on the ice expecting to make plays and maybe that wasn't the case a few weeks ago do you see that confidence growing over the past little bit yeah I, I we've it's when you get results. I think you everybody feels better about themselves for sure, and we've been able to string some points together here over the last little while, and um, uh, we have to find a way to continue it, but find a way to get that extra run like we needed tonight. I know you'd rather not battle back in games, but is it still a nice feature to see from your team that they have oh, that resilience? Yeah, no quit. I, I thought as the game went on, we continue to get better and better too. If you give us a, a little bit more time, I think we probably end up winning in regulation. But... Um, that's the way it goes. Yeah. How did you feel your team played in overtime in terms of the strategy you were trying to deploy? Uh, there's some moments for sure. I mean, we had our chances, right? And they had their chances too. I think more more often than not, you see in overtime, it's more uh, calculated. You don't see as many end-to-end -end situations anymore because one team, once they win the face-off, they usually keep it for three-quarters of overtime. So 
um, you know, there's uh, we get our chances. You have to find a way to finish. At the end of the day, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. With what you've seen with the shootouts, this this never-ending story of yeah. shootout losses. It, I'm sure you've thought about what can, can you just have a practice where everybody just takes penalty shots for two hours? Like, yeah. is there, and you, you, I'm assuming you're trying to do more things to address it. Yeah, I mean, we put shootouts in a lot of our practices this year, and we'll continue to do that. But Sharon Govich has a skill set. Like, he, he's a shootout type player. He's got a great skill set. We don't have a ton of guys that have his skill set. We have working skill, if you want to call it. Um, so you have to find a way to uh, capitalize again before you get into the shootout, I guess, is what it would come down to. And I, I think Blake Coleman probably fits that working skill yeah. that you talk about. Probably people probably expect him to be leading the team in goals at yeah. this juncture, but what have you seen continually out of Blake so far? Um, from the beginning of the year, probably him and Bax have been our... Um, him, Bax, and probably Tanev have been our guys that are I feel like driving the bus a lot in regards to uh, managing the room the right way so Blake doesn't wear a letter on his chest but he most definitely is in our leadership group and I think he's taking that to heart this year he's feeling good about where he's at right now health-wise and um, he's been consistent there was one tough game two games ago and I think it was in Montreal if I'm not mistaken but you can't really think of too many more games where he hasn't been one of our better forwards in regards to how he's playing the game so um, his skill is most definitely working skill uh, but he's taking a lot of pride in that right now. Ryan, what do you need to see from your power play to get it going in the right direction? It's slow right now, so they have to speed things up. Really, at the end of the day, you speed it up, move the puck quick, shoot the puck, and get rebounds. Like right now, we're slow and methodical, so we have to we have to make some improvements there for sure. What do you do to reinforce that mindset of playing fast when you realize your power play is not playing at the pace it should be? Yeah, you show them. I mean, you talk to them a lot. Uh, you keep working on it. Like, it's something that we put in practice again all the time as well. So, you know, you have guys out there that should be power play players, and um, that's the area that they want to grab hold of the game. It will come. I feel like our five-on-five -five game is, has gotten significantly better over the last little while. Usually the last thing to follow will be the power play, so I'd assume it'll start getting going here shortly. That is head coach Ryan Huska post-game following a 5-4 shootout setback to the New York Islanders here at the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Saturday night. Okay, our Flames Talk post-game show is underway. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Give us a call, 403-240-4444. Fire us a text, 960-960. Would love to hear from you. We'll go inside the uh, Flames locker room a few more times. Your phone calls, your texts around the corner. Our Flames Talk post-game show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, your final score, Flames fall 5-4 in a shootout to the New York Islanders as we continue along in your Flames Talk post-game show. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, uh, we're live right here after every game here on Sportsnet 960. The fan is Pat Steinberg along with you. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. There in a second. Uh, I, do, I, I will say that, you know, this is not a picture-perfect night systems-wise or details-wise for the Flames. 
But I will say that I continue to be impressed by their resilience and, and their fight and their unwillingness to wave white flags. I mean, they've been a uh, they've been a team that, you know, you've worried about doing that in the past. They did it way too often last year, and they carried that over into the first 10 games of this year. They've done a nice job of, of being a resi- resilient group here over the last little bit. So I give them credit for that. And uh, they might need to be as resilient as it gets on this four-game road trip that starts on Monday. How about Seattle? Nashville, Dallas, Colorado, four games in six nights with an absolute whack of travel. Seattle to Nashville, that might as well, that's that's essentially Calgary to Toronto. Like that's not a quick flight. I know they're both in the Western Conference, but Seattle to Nashville, like that's a that is a haul. And then you have a day off and then you play and then Nashville to Dallas isn't as bad Dallas to Colorado isn't awful but not great that's that's a lot of travel and four games in six nights so they might need to be resilient on this upcoming road trip um to the phone lines and text line in a second but first back inside the Flames locker room let's hear from Mackenzie Weger who scored his fourth goal of the season early in the third period to tie this game 3-3 here's Mackenzie post game following tonight's shootout loss how do you sort of assess a game like that where you know you kind of stick around, you hang around, and you have your chances? It seemed like you guys got better as the night went on. Yeah, like you said, I thought it was a weird game a little bit. I thought we came out a little dull, and then it was kind of a roller coaster. You know, we they came out in the second, and then we answered one back, and then the, we tied up in the third, and then they answered back. It was kind of it was a weird game, ups and downs. You know, I think the positive is that we we hung in there and we showed. Uh, you know that we can face adversity and we got we snuck out a point i thought you know the last six seven minutes they were hanging on by a thread um but other than that i thought it was just a a bit of a roller coaster of a game we kind of need to lock it down a little bit more well maybe answered it but you know there's no silver linings but do you overall like the way your group is playing the last handful of games you happy with the way the group's going yeah i think there's a lot of good things in a lot of areas of the game um, I de- definitely in the offensive zone I think we're getting a lot more chances but I think there's just sometimes we just get a little loose or <clears throat> you know we, we just lose a guy or um, get about balance I thought maybe the special teams they won a special teams game tonight not had a, an impact on the game but there's a lot of good things that we can take out of you know this last stretch for yourself scoring <clears throat> two goals straight do you feel like you're getting more comfortable in the system and feel like you're able to jump up offensively and you contribute that way yeah absolutely I think uh, I was sort of thinking about, I don't know if I'm shooting more than I was last year. It certainly feels that way. I'd have to take a look. But I think I'm also getting shots through, and I think that might help a little bit. But uh, other than that, it's, it's nice contributing. But at the end of the day, I think uh, you know most importantly is the two points. Has there been a general adjustment with the defense activating itself more when the play is in the offensive zone? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've won a lot of motion, I think, you know, in this day's of the NHL, I think offense is huge in this league now. And once you get motion, uh, a lot of guys, you know, can fall asleep. I think everybody's so offensive-minded now that you can catch guys sleeping when you get a lot of motion going on. Do you have to be a big impact towards that? You said you feel like there's a little more going on in general in the offensive zone. What What do you like about what you're seeing in that I, end? I think our forecheck is good. Um, you know, we get in, we get on pucks first, but then once we get a puck, we, we kind of hang on to it for a second or two. Or if not, if we don't have a play, we rim it out to the D, and then, you know, we get three guys high, and then the D can start getting some motion, and we start getting pucks in the net, and then we're, tre- we're retrieving pucks, and then, you know, we go back at them, stuff like that. <clears throat> That is Mackenzie Weger postgame inside the Flames locker room. I just want to go quickly pull this up, but uh, he says, does it feel like I'm shooting the puck more? It feels like I am. Um, 
I, I would I would kind of vouch for that in McKenzie's uh, case because I believe at five on five for sure, and uh, maybe even overall, uh, the power play might skew things a little bit. But I believe he also leads the team in shots. Yeah, he has thirty nine five on five shots, which leads the team. He also leads the team in shot attempts at eighty one. So yes, absolutely, McKenzie, you are shooting it way more. He has been putting pucks on net all year long at a high rate. So those are the five-on-five five numbers. I'm just quickly going to pull up the uh, overall numbers at all strengths and, and looking at the power play. But, you know, you don't usually see a defenseman who leads the team in both shots and attempts at five-on-five, five. and the Flames are now, what, 17 games into the regular season. So that's pretty impressive uh, Pretty impressive to see. Um, for whatever reason, this doesn't want to load very quickly, so uh, I'm not going to be able to pull it up in enough time for it to not be painful as I stretch. So, um, But, yes, uh, Uyghur, at least at five-on-five, five, leads the team in shots and leads the team in shot attempts, which I think you'll take. Uh, uh, let's get to the text line at 960-960 for the first time. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, uh, let's talk a little bit about Jacob Markstrom. It is time for tonight's Save of the Game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. I thought Markstrom actually had a really solid game as this night went along, and Jacob's Save of the Game comes in overtime. Oh, giveaway. Pospisil in. Deeks shoots, and it's stopped by Sorokin, but now he centers it, and the puck comes all the way out. Uyghur couldn't keep it in. Here comes Nelson now. He centers it. Dobson shoots. Markstrom makes a marvelous right pad save. That ends up being one of the 29 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit shaneholmes.com, the better way to build. Oh, it finally decided it wanted to load. Uh, Uyghur third on the team overall with 45 shots and second on the team with 96 shot attempts when you count in power play and penalty kill as well. Now to the text line we go at 960-960. Let's start with Alex from Ottawa who says the Flames seem to do better in games that are close scoring and they have to constantly fight back than games where they get the lead first or it's out of reach and a flurry of quick goals against. Not the Kadri line was good again, but I'd like to see Sharon Govich get another shot in the top six. Huberdeau still looks like he's fighting through it, but I think he's found a good home on that line with Backlund and Coleman. Might take more time, but it's looking like it could be something. Still glad to see the team didn't just give up and they kept plugging away at their game. I'm still optimistic there's a way through this. I'm just not sure what it is. And as someone who's watched Ottawa tear it down for years, it's quite difficult to get through that for so long. Full rebuilds seem to take almost twice as long in Canada. I wonder if they can use some of their UFAs to get pieces that are up-and-coming NHLers in their early to mid-20s with some team control to get them through the next couple of seasons to figure out what and who they are. I don't know how this would fare in terms of an even trade or anything, but what about looking at a Zadorov and a sweetener for J.J. Paterka from the Sabres. It would give them a left shot right wing, which if I recall, Huberto prefers, so maybe trying them as a winger duo and figuring out the best center could be good. Even if Pelche gets back, maybe he could center. Although I realize the Sabres aren't likely motivated to trade Paterka away, I also wonder if Hannafin could maybe entice them, although I'd like to keep Hannafin. Regardless, go Flames. Love the Sea of Red. Um, and uh, that comes from Alex in Ottawa, or Alex from Ottawa. Great stuff. Also says some really nice things about um, Megan Mickelson and Flames Talk postgame and uh, is a big fan of Anand the Caller. All that from Alex in Ottawa, which is very nice. Um, and the, the point about 
young NHLers. I actually think that that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, if, if when the Flames make a decision that they're going to trade some of these unrestricted free agents, which I believe Elliot Friedman had a little bit. I, again, I'm in intermission, so I don't get to listen to Saturday headlines as it happens, but I believe second intermission of the early games on Hockey Night, Elliot Friedman said that, yeah, you know, the, the process continues. Um, and that's right now. I, I think we know that Craig Conroy is making and taking phone calls, is getting the lay of the land as to what he could get for for players. My my read is from who I've talked to that um, that that they are the, the offers are starting to get better. Look, the offers for Hannafin, the offers for Zadorov, the offers for some of these guys in the off season were just not good. Like the offers for Backlund before he decided to resign, they were not getting. Strong strong offers for guys and they would have been actively losing trades if Craig Conroy just decided to trade guys because they needed to trade guys uh, in in the summertime he decided to be patient set a price and and try to work towards that price and and it, it feels like everything that I'm led to believe is that the offers for some of these guys are starting to become a little bit more commensurate as to what they should be so I, I do think the lay of the land is being got by Conroy and Co I do think that they are evaluating and I, I do think that there is a strong chance that multiple of those unrestricted free agents will get traded. And, and I also believe very, very strongly that he, he being Craig Conroy, that, that Conroy will not go past the deadline with these guys unsigned. They either get signed or they get traded. I don't think... I don't think we're talking about, especially on the Hannafin, Lindholm, and probably Zadorov front, I don't think that those guys will go past the deadline still being unsigned members of the Calgary Flames. Maybe they could be uh, maybe an extension. Who knows how things go? But if there's no extension, I, I really strongly believe that Craig Conroy will follow through with what he said and make a trade. And, and to Conroy's credit so far, he has followed through with the things he said so far. Going to be patient with trades, not going to just make a trade for the sake of it. So far, they've done that. Going to give opportunity for young players. Well, they've done that and then some. Um, and so I guess a long, long winding story wrapped up from me is that I think when you're talking about some of these trades, yes, picks are on the table and would be uh, of interest, I think prospects as in non-NHL ready players, but prospects would be of interest and absolutely young NHLers 22, 23, 24 I think absolutely are part of the equation and part of what the Flames would be looking for as well. Uh, this says, Pat, evenly matched clubs, and if they didn't have a six-game losing streak, I'd be happy with the point. Markstrom was great, but Sorokin's a great goalie on a not-so-great team. Based on the shootout move, I don't think Huberdeau has his confidence back. Sharon Govich is money on shootouts, and he was great all night. That's from Claude, who says, will we hear Brass Bonanza this year? There is a rule. We don't do Brass Bonanza um, un unless it's, uh, first of all, uh, above 500. And typically, because of the way we've changed things, we don't hear Brass Bonanza until the playoffs. So that's, uh, that, that's, kind, of, that's kind of the unwritten-ish rules for it right now. Nathan says a few things. What a great game. Very entertaining. And how about the play of Markstrom tonight? He played out of his mind. Loved his game. I know they didn't get the two points, but I come away feeling pretty positive about the team. Huberto looks like he's found his confidence, made some incredible passes in this game. Obviously, not perfect. Still lots to clean up defensively, but lots to like. That's kind of, That comes from Nathan on the text line. I, I thought... 
I thought Huberdeau had a really strong game, especially the last 40 minutes. Yeah, his shootout attempt was meh. They happen. Um, but I thought that, and you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be reading too much into a shootout attempt. What I will read into is the confident nature he was distributing the puck, that he led the team with five scoring chances and four, uh, four high-danger scoring chances. Like, those are the things that uh, – and he was very dangerous when distributing the puck as well. I thought Huberdeau looked really good. Obviously, he had a good game Thursday against Vancouver with a goal and an assist. That's positive, if you ask me. Shootout goal notwithstanding. Leandro says, boy, that was fun. Earlier this season, game would have been over at 3-1. Love the battle back from everyone. Big third period from Markstrom. And Huberdeau starting to look more and more confident every shift. Boy, do I hate the shootout, though. Maybe it's because they keep losing them. It was fun in 2006 when they introduced it, but as soon as they brought in the three-on-three, I think they got to make that a full 10 minutes. Shootout just seems like a coin toss for anyone now. I have no problem with them continuing to um, continuing to devalue the shootout A, which they've done by making it the number three factor in a tiebreak at the end of the season. And I also have no problem with them trying to decrease the amount of shootouts each team plays this year by having games finish before getting to a shootout. In saying all that, um, I don't think that you have the option, in my opinion, of eliminating the shootout. I I don't. If you want to make it 10 minutes of three-on-three, by all means, I'm all for it. Six check marks. Let's do it. But you still have to have that mechanism to ensure that a game finishes and to ensure that a game doesn't go too long uh, when when you're talking about... uh, Imagine if the Flames on this four games and six nights that they're about to play played three games that went to three-on-three overtime and they just went continuous three-on-three overtime. That that doesn't... uh, And I know that there's stats out there that say that'll end at this rate or 95% of games will end by this mark. I, I grant you that. I just think that in an 82 condensed game regular season, you have to have a mechanism to ensure games end. I think the ties, it's 2023, soon to be 2024. I think ties are stupid, and I don't think that there should be ties. And so you have to, in my and this is just my opinion, and others may disagree, I think ties are stupid. So don't have ties. So you have to have, in my eyes, a mechanism to ensure games are won. But if you want to go 10 minutes three-on-three before you get to a shootout, all day, every day, I'm all for it. Uh, This says, Pat, hard-fought point by the Flames. The youngsters have definitely added some much-needed spark and energy. One question, does Zadorov look checked out to you? He seems a bit disconnected at times and has had some bad turnovers the past few games, including tonight. I would think the fact that his since... His since uh, he hasn't been traded, he that he is disgruntled. I think is what that's trying to say. Um, I don't think he was super strong in this game. I quite liked him in the game against Vancouver. He really struggled against Ottawa. Um, do I think that he is checked out? No. Do I think that you know he's a little rattled about the entire situation? Yeah, I think there's probably something to that. Now. 
part of that is is on him with how the agent decided to go about his business. And Nikita knows full well who his agent is, so he can't be fully surprised that Milstein decided to go the public route with requesting a trade. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he's probably a little rattled or that's hanging over him in some form or another. Uh, this says, what a fantastic game from the guys. Some bad defensive breakdowns, but a great game. Just getting really sick and tired of fantastic games getting decided by a skills competition. Hope they can get rid of the shootout ASAP. You know how I feel about that. Um, this says, Pat, what types of metrics go into a coach's decision on which players will be in the shootout? That's from Kate in Cranston. Great question. Um, and I, I find this a very fascinating thing. Um, so NHL teams, and let's talk about the Calgary Flames. They have got uh, they've got Jason LaBarbera as the goaltending coach. And as much as Barb's is tasked with working with Dan Vladar and, and Jacob Markstrom and Dustin Wolf. That's a big part of his job, but another part of his job is scouting other teams' goalies and coming up with reports on other teams' goaltending tendencies. And so... Jason LaBarbera is very, very uh, involved in some of the shootout picks because he'll be giving information in terms of you know what goalies' uh, shootout tendencies are, which will help the coaching staff pick the players they go with. They've got some different analytics about uh, and, and different stats about players passed against certain players, uh, certain goaltenders, and then a lot of it outside of the metrics. A lot of it is just feel. Who's going on that on any given night? That's why, you know, um, I think Sharon Govich, I think Sharon Govich will actually be a a mainstay, but, you know, you're feeling like Sharon Govich is going, put him out first on the shootout. That worked pretty well. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things that go into shootout selections, no doubt about it. Uh, James and Regina says, Pat, a a good point for this team, but I also think that six games now without a power play goal, what is it going to take to get this power play going? Also, there's too much coasting from Ruzichka. It's time to sit him and bring Dewar back into the lineup. I could see that actually happening come Saturday. Uh, sorry, Monday against Seattle. I could absolutely see that uh, because I did not like Rizicka's game tonight at all. Um, as for the other point there on the power play, yeah, it's got to get going. Dan Lambert told us a little earlier that you know maybe something good happening for them on the power play might help them, but they're just too predictable, too pedestrian on the power play right now. That's got to change in a hurry because that's going to continue to be something that holds them back from being anything more than kind of an average hockey team. Ash says, I think Sharon Govich absolutely needs to play in the top nine to be successful. Manjapani's been too invisible for my liking. Um, they need half helmet off Manjapani, and he hasn't showed up lately. Uh, and this one from Dylan in Revy. The boys played a real gutsy game today coming back like that. I agree about Pospi, uh, Pospisil, Zeri, and Huberdo. Pat, do you know what happened to Dubé? I don't think I noticed him in the third. Really worried about Rasmus's game, though. His turnovers are consistently costly these days. Best OT I've seen in ages. That's from Dylan in Revy. Um, I don't think anything happened on the uh, on the front of Dylan Dubé, not that I am aware of. Um, but uh, I, I don't think I missed anything in that regard, but you never know. Um, as for... As for Anderson, I think we know his game is capable of being at a higher level. It has not been at the level that we know it can be since he came back from suspension. And so that's something that I think um, is is going to be important. Uh, 
by the way, Dubé's last shift was with seven minutes to go in the third period. So I don't know if anything happened, but he ended up taking five shifts in the third period. He took four shifts in the second and six in the fir- in the first. So I, 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 I'm not aware of, of anything that, that happened on the Dylan Dubé front. More texts in just a little bit, 960-960. Keep them coming. We'd love to hear from you on our text line. And, of course, it's time to get to the phone lines at 403-240-4444 following a Flames 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders. It's Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, my name is Pat Steinberg, and let's say hello to Will. Will, you're kicking us off on the phone lines tonight. What's going on? Hey, Patty. What's up? Uh, not impressed about uh, Hubert O being in the shootout. Uh, come on, dude. That guy is not a shootout guy. I had no problem with the selection. He had played a really good game. Like, I had no problem with it at all. Was it the world's greatest shootout attempt? No. But, like, I, I it, it almost is immaterial to me based on how well Huberto played tonight. Like, oh, oh well, his shootout attempt was meh. Um, but he he played a really good game. And, and when you have, again, as I just answered that text, a lot of times you – go on feel in terms of who you're putting out there on any given shootout night. Huberto played a really good game. So as a coach, you're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, he's rolling. Let's get him out there. He's the last guy I would have picked. Well, then you know what? Like when you're coaching the flames, when you're coaching the flames, don't put him out there. Will. (laughs) All right. But dude, come on. Majapani, Backlund. Dubay, anybody? Will move him. on. Move on. Will you're not convinced? Will pass to. Will move on. We you didn't like Huberto. I'm fine. You're not convincing me. I get it. You didn't like Huberto in the shootout. I like Huberto. It's just I don't like him in the shootout. Do not put that guy in the shootout. Will we? Will I'm very clear as to where you stand on Huber doing the shootout. What else do you got? Do we have anything else on the mind tonight? I do. Okay, Uh, let's go there. (laughs) Sorry, Patty, I'm a little upset. (laughs) Okay. Um. Okay. I want to ask something about contracts, and if you put a guy on waivers and he clears waivers and he goes down to the American League, what happens to that contract? Like, do you still owe that guy that same contract? So hold on. So a player who's on an, uh, a one-way contract, or, or no, sorry, a player who's on an NHL contract gets put on waivers and then gets sent to the American League? Yeah, if he clears waivers and goes to the American League. So the so you have a um, you have a so there's two things. So that comes off your salary cap, and so it no longer is on your 23 man active roster, and it's no longer on your NHL salary cap. However, it remains on your 50 contract organizational cap. So there's you, every every team can have 50. There's a 50 contract max that any NHL organization can have with the uh, NHL AHL combined. So it would stay on the 50 contract number, but it wouldn't be on the salary cap or on the NHL active roster. 
Okay, so if he clears waivers and he gets sent elsewhere, who are we? You're no longer responsible for that contract. Uh, who's who are we talking about? Just uh, anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Well, if he clears waivers, he remains your property. And if you send him to the American League, he plays on your AHL team. If he gets claimed, then he goes to a new organization, and he's no longer uh, no longer with yours. Yes. But if he doesn't get claimed and he goes to the AHL, are you still responsible for that contract? Yes. Like you're still, he still is part of your, he's still part of your organization and on your 50 contract cap. So yes, you're still paying him. Okay, well, I'll give you an example. Okay. For Huberto, uh, for instance, if you if you sent him on waivers, well, you wouldn't. Waivers, you couldn't. Because I know because got... he can he can reject even going down there. Yeah, so I know. Why that. are we talking about it? <laughs> I thought you, I thought you just said I thought understand. you just said I thought you just said you like Huberto. Now you want to put him on waivers. Hey you, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm I'm just, <laughs> just giving, giving you an I'm just giving you a hard I'm just giving you a hard time, Will. So so I know you are. You always do. So you can what you can do is, yeah, I mean you, you put a guy on waivers, he's got twenty four hours that he stays there, and then and then if nobody claims him, he can stay on the NHL roster or he can be sent to the American League. Yeah, so let's say Huberto went on waivers. And let's say he passed the waivers, no one claimed him, then is Calgary still responsible for that $10 million contract? Yes, he would get paid every penny of his $10.5 million, and because uh, because his in, in this case, if we're talking about a player with that high a contract, his money would stay on the salary cap. Uh, he wouldn't be on your active roster, but his money would remain on your salary cap as uh, buried money, and about, I want to say, $9.25 million would still be on Calgary's cap in, in that case. So you can bury, I don't know exactly what the number is right now, but you can bury X amount of dollars. It's a little bit more than a million dollars you can bury in the American League. So some guys, you can bury their entire salary. A lot of guys, if you do that, you can only bury part of it. So if you're talking about Huberdeau, it would be a, a good chunk of his number would still remain on the cap. So yes, the team is still on the hook for paying them. And in some cases, they remain on the salary cap. So that's the, that's the situation. Well, I got to move on, man. I appreciate the call. Okay, thank you. We'll talk soon, buddy. All right, bye-bye. I hope they put Huberto in the next shootout just for you, Will, so we can go through that again. Um, just kidding. Will's a regular, so that's why I uh, give him a hard time. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. And look, at, I get it that Huberto's – I really do get it that Huberto's shootout attempt was not the best shootout attempt you've ever seen in your life. But, I don't know, I, I still, in my opinion, just knowing – it, it truly is a skills competition. I, I, you go with guys who are feeling it, 
Huberdeau is, uh, as, as Wilsey texted me, um, Huberdeau's been very good in shootouts in practice. He's won at least one, if not two, of their shootout contests that I've watched over the last little bit. So, like, I don't know. I, I had no problem with Huberdeau going. Uh, his shootout attempt was what it was, whatever. He had a good game. I, I really, I'm, I'm, it's kind of not really something that is, is um, top of mind for me after this game. Let's say hello to Tony. What's up, Tony? Hey, Pat. How are you, bud? Good, man. How are you? All right. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good game. The last few games have been playing pretty good, actually. You know? Yeah. Not too bad. Uh, just, 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 uh, you know, the overtime is still – we still can't win an overtime game, but, you know. But if they play like they did in the, even the last three or four games, it would be pretty good. But, I mean, I, I, I still hope – like, I'm really impressed with Zari. This kid, man, is, is, is going to be a good one. He he reminds me of a young backman. Like he he's smart. He doesn't get, doesn't make mistakes. Safe plays all the time. He has some offensive, uh, you know, offensive a power flare, there. Yep, yep. Yeah, like I'm telling you, this is a good kid. That was a good, you know. I'm I'm impressed. Like like you know, it's 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 good. But I mean, I'm just hoping, you know, this was scares me about this team. You know, we get close to the the deadline and we're two points away from a playoff spot. Um, or we're in the playoffs, and maybe we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to keep all our UFAs. I, I don't. I, I honestly, do Tony, I honestly don't <laughs> think they will. Well, let's let's hope not. That like you know, you got to if they want. I, I still believe they got to rebuild, but maybe they can rebuild on the on the on the go. You know what I mean? They don't have to do a full well, yeah, rebuild, and, but... I, and and that's why I say like you know, I, I I'll give you a perfect example recently of what. It, it could look like. Uh, I know Nashville did not make the playoffs last year, but the Predators traded Ekholm. They traded a couple of other players uh, leading up to the deadline. They went real young, and and they definitely took a step back when it came to their roster, and yet they still stayed in that playoff race right until the very end. In fact, they stayed in it longer than Calgary did. Remember, they were the team that eliminated yes. the Flames in Game 81, and they did that with three or four of their NHLers no longer on the roster because they've made trades. So that's kind of what I think would be the, the same type of scenario for the Flames. If certain guys are unsigned and they're a bubble playoff team in and around the trade deadline, I still, I, I fully believe just everything that I have, have been led to believe and everybody that I've talked to is that, yeah, that, that they would make those deals and they'd be okay with doing that even knowing the spot they are in the standings. And I get why you might be skeptical on that just based on history, but that's that's my belief anyway. You know, because I get scared. Conroy, who, 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 uh, he was under Brad. Brad taught him how to be a GM. And in my opinion, Brad's not a good GM, but so hopefully Conroy didn't listen to him too much. Well, I, think, I think Brad. I think Brad is a very good GM in a lot of ways, and I think that there were things that that helped him uh, that that would have been very helpful for Craig. And at the same time. I know for a fact that Craig Conroy has a lot of philosophical differences when it comes to building teams that Brad did. Not in like a, I'm smart and you're not smart, but everybody's got different ideas. And now Craig's at the helm, and, and he's got his, his management group with Pascal and, and Nonis, and, um, and, and they're going about their business now, and, and with Don Maloney at the top. And, and, and I, it's, a, it's a different hockey ops group than it was a year ago. So I I, yeah. I do think it's fair to um, be optimistic for some philosophical changes in terms of how they go about their business because there's different people at 
more um, impactful or in more impactful roles with this team. Yeah. You know what, Pat? Like Hannafin, there's no way I would re-sign this guy. I think he gives a puck away, a bad pass, one or two bad passes a game. If you think if it's possible, we get, we get rid of Hannafin and we somehow keep the door off, say we'll give you top four minutes. Do you think, or is that passed? Is the door passed that, do you think? Well, I mean, I think everything is rectifiable. Um, I, yeah. I really don't think there's anything that is truly permanent uh, in the NHL when it comes to stuff like that. But it, that that one that one feels like it's moving towards a trade. Yeah, because I'm thinking when we lose the door, you know, I know it's just, we're, we're going to lose too much toughness, man. We're going to get pushed around. Like, we're, who's going to be who's going who's going to stop for, for our players if the door's gone? I don't know. Is, you know that, I mean? is that really is that really what Zadorov does? Well, I, no, he, he intimidates people out there. I mean, he, on, he's he he's one of the more one of the more feared open ice hitters in the NHL. Yeah. But I don't you don't. It's not like Zadorov's the guy that is um, you know dropping the gloves and jumping guys when they take liberties with other players. Now, part of that could be the fact that you know maybe they don't do that because yeah. Zadorov's a, a terrifying man. But that's also yeah. that that's, that's what I that's, mean. That's very anecdotal. Like I don't know if there's any. Um, well, I don't know if there's any like. Oh well, I mean, we clearly know that's the case. Anyway, um, they'd lose a lot. They'd lose a lot of um, size and physicality if they move Zadorov. But who knows what they would get back? And I mean, you add Pospisil to the mix. Well, that's something that he does very well. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I I, I, I like Zadorov. I've always liked him. And uh, but I mean, uh, you know, we'll see what happens if they keep playing like this. But, they, they have to, like I said, they have to get rid of these guys. If you don't sign them, you have to get rid of them. Don't make the same. I don't care. Even if you're first in this, in our division, I would. If these guys don't want to sign, you trade them. Get something for them, and don't make that mistake we did before. That's all I'm saying. You know I, what I, mean, I, I think I think that that is what you'll end up seeing. I hope so. We'll see. Okay, Pat. All right, Tony. My call, bud. Take Good to care. hear from you. Good stuff as always, man. Be well. Hey. You too. Bye bye. Thanks, Tone. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames lose 5-4 in a shootout to the New York Islanders on, what day is today? Saturday. Everything's all messed up in my head. Uh, so the Flames now 4-1-2 and two in their last seven games after losing this one tonight. Let's say hello to Han. What's going on, Han? Uh, hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Uh, a very good game. Uh, we lost it, but uh, good effort. I don't mind this one. There was, no, um, there was nothing wrong with the effort in this one. I'm with you there. Yeah, like uh, even we complain. Yeah, of course we are short on some things, and we can. But the effort was there today. Like even mm-hmm. Backlund um, uh, was good. Um, everybody was pretty good uh, tonight. I don't think there was like. Some was someone was like a passenger or something like that. No. What's that? I said nobody was like a passenger. Oh right, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I thought I thought that they um, I thought they played well. I thought that they, they there was some good resilience. They stuck with it. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was like I mean, th- there were also some lapses, and the Islanders were a desperate team. Um, but I thought that uh, I, I thought there was lots to like from the Flames tonight for sure. Uh, so I don't think any 
think it's going to change for any for trading or anything like that, right? What do you mean? Uh, like, yeah, we're playing good, but that change is not coming. Like I heard some people are saying uh, Conroy is going to just say, okay, uh, we are playing good right now, and we're going to stick with all this group. I I don't I don't think that we're necessarily looking at trades being imminent like in the next uh, week or two, but I I do think there's a fairly strong chance that we see some change with this team before the end of the season. Uh, I agree. And another one, uh, you think like uh, um, uh, the 360, like uh, we gave offer to uh, Hennepin, Elias uh, Lenholm, and now we are back and we're going to give them again? What do you mean? Offer? I, I like don't know. Money I, I, right, right now, right now, Han, the – all of these things are on pause, right? Like they're they're not really. I think right now they are more focused on figuring out what the potential return for some of these guys in a trade would be, as opposed to uh, reengaging on contract talks. I, I don't. Uh, I don't like right now. Contract talks are kind of just uh, on hold. Uh, I agree. And uh, the last one, um, I know it's only like uh, you know. American Thanksgiving is coming in like days, I believe. It is on Thursday. So five Thursday. days. Yeah. Uh, so I believe our next six game is going to be very important. I do too. Uh, especially this because they, they go on this four-game road trip. And then... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so the, and and there's three really. I mean, you know, they've they've dominated Seattle and they've never lost at uh, that building in Seattle. So um, maybe that that can continue. But they've got a really tough end of the road trip with a back to back Dallas and then Colorado. Nashville's never an easy place to go into. So they play four games in six nights, then come home and play Vegas and Dallas. So yeah, this next six is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the schedule. So this corner basically, uh, I believe it's going to give us a very big picture of where we stand like next um, six games. We yeah. are in, yeah. or we are in the middle, or we are somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and the last one. Uh, so I'm gonna start with uh, you know, uh, Chris No. Yep. Uh, we know it's a holiday season coming in. It's tough for a lot of people. Um, it's, it's including me. If we, everybody who's listening or anything, uh, if has a money, has a time, uh, neighbors or anything like that, help each other. That's what we are. Go for it. Go. Well said, Han. I like that. Be well, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, brother. Okay. Have a good night. You too, Han. Appreciate it. Uh, let's say hello to... Scott, Hello. nice sentiment, uh, by the way. I like that Hello? from uh, from Han. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Let's uh, welcome Scott to the program following a 5-4 shootout loss. What's up, Scott? Pat, I'm so happy to talk to you. First of all, 
had season tickets since Calgary had a team. So in the corral, and of course, still now in the Saddle Dome. Anyway, awesome. I do have a couple questions. Okay. Um, I first of all, I love the way you handle your people that phone. It's super awesome, entertaining. I don't get to call in ever. It's the second time in my life. Well, two welcome questions. back. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, two questions. So a lot of your callers seem to drink a lot. I was wondering if you have a thick one at the end of your broadcast. Yes or no? Typically no. Oof. I feel like it might not be a bad thing. But anyway, I love your show. And my second question is, as the Flames are, in my opinion, I'm an eternal optimist with them, even in the Young Guns era, like the Freddie Brathwaite era and stuff like yeah. that. Anyway, always in positive. I thought last year they were unbelievable and just didn't have puck luck. My question is, do you feel, maybe knowing more than the you know, intrusive fans like me, do you feel like there is a culture issue or do you feel like these trade issues are probably something that happens in all the other centers in the NHL with you know, the monetary value of players and their agents thinking that they're worth more and they need to play more minutes to get a bigger next contract? Or do you feel like that's an inherent issue in Calgary? I, I myself that- don't know anything, but I feel like it's really not as bad as everyone says. What do you think? Um, so a few things. First of all, I think they're going through a bad cycle right now. Like typically, like you don't have this many over the from from late June to here we are in mid November. Uh, there's been a lot of like, oh, this guy may not want to be here. This guy might want out. Like there's been a lot of those types of conversations over the the mm-hmm. last few months, and that's that's uh, abnormal for most teams in the NHL. So or any okay. team in the NHL. So that they're just going. I part of it is that there isn't a really interesting cycle and a lot of their players are coming up for new contracts all at the same time which also I think lends to it but I I think there's a few things I think that last year really soured a lot of guys Um, it was a really sour locker room for a lot of last season Uh, there was a lot of internal strife with the coach Daryl Sutter and and players button heads with him I think that that also drove some wedges within the room amongst you know different groups of players and so I just think and and also it was a miserable year on the ice so all of those things combined I think really soured some players Um, I don't think that it soured everybody to the point that they don't want to be here I think Michael Backlund's a perfect example he you know first Mm -hmm. was a little unsure and then he signed a contract um so Mm -hmm. so I think that but I do think that that plays a part in it and I also think that we're talking about um players like Lindholm and Hannafin uh and and Zadorov these are all all three of these guys are are not Canadian guys you got a Swede you got a Russian you got an American and and not like there's anything wrong with playing in Canada we we love our country and we love our city but you know Calgary is one of the smaller markets in the NHL it's one and a half million people um there are there are markets that with with money that would be interested in players and unrestricted free agency that that might be more attractive to certain guys Mm. when they get there and and so that, that I think that's all I think that all of those things to varying degrees and different degrees for each player all play into the conversation Right. Okay. Well, no, that's fair. I just, I didn't know if it was maybe something that was going on in other cities and we just are so, you know, focused on the flames that maybe it's not that strange of a thing to have guys, you know, requesting trades and whatever, but. Well, and I mean, it, it does, it does happen. Mm-hmm. It does happen to every team every year. It just is happening mm-hmm. more with the flames this year. Right. And so I guess my addendum question would be, was these sets a problem? I mean, 
I love Daryl Sutter. I always thought he was a, a great coach, and obviously it seems like maybe players are a little more fickle, and when they get something they don't like in the media, then they want to, you know, take their toys and leave kind of thing. Or is that, is that I not think, accurate? I, I, do think, I, I do think Daryl was – I'm trying to think. Of the right. I think Daryl was a problem. Sure, I think mm-hmm. that was something that needed to change. But I don't think that was the only issue. Uh, and there were lots right. of things that played into last year. But I do think that the uh, working relationship with Daryl and a number of the players was just something that that was untenable. And the change that they could make um, was was making a coaching change. Right. Well, hey, Pat, thanks for taking my call, and there's a few drunk people that probably want to talk to you, so I'll let you hey, go. Hey, there's, lo- there's lots of sober people who call into this show, too. Mm, they're not phoning you, though. Just me, because i got a two-hour drive. No, there's lots of there's lots of people who phone in who are sober. Appreciate it, Scott. Um, we'll uh, go back inside the Flames locker room in just a second. Hear from Martin Pospisil after his big game. But before we do that, let's say hello to Anand on the phone lines at 403-240-4444. What's up, Anand? Good evening, Pat. How are you? I'm well. Yeah, I just want to, uh, first of all, thank all the listeners and you especially, uh, for your kind words and inspiration. I, I think I heard uh, you said earlier somebody texted in saying they love my calls and I've been getting a lot of compliments this past week and the last week as well. So I just want to put in an extra thank you to everybody who enjoyed my calls and I love having conversations with you. So that's my first point. Well, you're welcome, and, and that's awesome, and uh, I'm glad that you're getting lots of uh, lots of positive feedback. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my uh, second point, uh, yeah, uh, Conazari, Pospisil, those young guys, uh, keep them going. I love their effort, their enthusiasm, their play. Uh, wonderful, even uh, Pospisil and everybody. Um, I think uh, those are the um, three key players who keep uh, as moving forward, I love uh, Jonathan Hubert, how he has come out positive in the past couple of games. Uh, just a question, maybe, I don't know if uh, something we should read into, uh, but I know I just followed, I was just checking the uh, stats of Michael Backlund. He hasn't scored a goal in a while. Uh, do you think maybe it's uh, time for him to step up a little bit in the coming games onward? Um, I mean, I, I think you'd like to see. Uh, I like. I think you'd like to see a little bit more in that category from Michael. I think he's only got. Uh, he's got two now on the year, um, I, and I think that Michael would be the first one to say that he'd love to um, be on the scoreboard a little bit more. He scored that uh, in that game in Seattle was the last time he scored. Um, but I, I, I also think that Michael is more than just his offense. But yeah, I think that he would be the first to say that he'd like to be on the score sheet a little bit more for sure. But I also think that he's been he's been a very effective player for this team away from the goals and the assists. So you you you're always gonna get um, you're always gonna get a, a really important effort, and he's always gonna be an important member of the team. But but sure, you'd like to see a little bit more offense. I'm sure he'd be the first one to say that. Yeah, all right. And one uh, one more question: uh, What do you think uh, uh, will be the most highlight going into this road trip now? Uh, what do you think we'll see stand out in the next few games ahead in the road trip? 
What do I think is going to stand out? I don't know. I mean, I, and they've got a they've they've got a very difficult schedule. Um, so I think that they're going to be tested just based on four goal four games and six nights with a lot of travel. That's going to be tough. They've got some really difficult opponents, especially on the back end of the trip. So those those are the things that I'm watching for. They're going to need to have some real complete team efforts. Uh, they're going to need their goaltending to remain as strong as it's been the last three games or so. So. Those are some of the things I'm watching for. All right, sounds good, Patty. And one last off-topic question for you. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot here. Uh, but what is one favorite hockey interview question you like to ask players? Uh, or Like if it's all the time or one-time chance you get, what would be your favorite question to ask a hockey player? Jeez. Uh, that one I'll need to have. So I, I, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. Okay, because and the reason why I mentioned this because I got another hockey gig where I'll be interviewing under-18 players next week. So I just wanted to see if you have anything for me. But, yeah, maybe I'll check in with you on Monday. I'll let you think about it and then get back to you. Okay. Um, well, I'll think about it, all right? Okay, sounds good. Okay. okay and, and... Have a good night and talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Uh, four, phone lines are open, 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. Flames fall 5-4 in a shootout to the Toronto Maple Leafs on this Saturday night. Back to the phone calls and texts in just a second. Let's head back inside the Flames locker room right now, however. Uh, this guy could very easily have been the number one star. I kind of debated Pospisil and Kadri when I was throwing the three stars out there uh, earlier today. I went with Pospisil as the number two star, but boy, was he great. Scored his third goal of the season, was all around it throughout the night. Here's uh, Martin Pospisil post game following a 5-4 shootout loss to the uh, 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders. You continue to find ways to to be a difference maker. Is that how you see uh, your role right now? I mean, you obviously want to continue to do that, but have you felt as though you're making differences on a fairly nightly basis? Yeah, uh, like I said so many times, I uh, try to play my game, try to help the team and uh, uh, play hard, uh, play physical and uh, make some uh, make some plays and uh, some score some goals. So I just try to keep uh, doing it uh, every night and uh, yeah, that's it. What did you see on that uh, breakaway in overtime? Yeah, it hurts, you know, uh, it could be over. Uh, so I hope uh, next time I'll, uh, I will score, you know, I had a great trust from the from the coach. Uh, I could could score on the on the breakaway. Olson, the the goalie stopped the puck. So yeah. What does it mean to you though that he put you out there in overtime? Yeah, it means a lot. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't play many games in, in NHL, and uh, it feels it feels great when you get that trust from the coach, and uh, I'm really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. I feel bad that I didn't score. Uh, hopefully next time. Martin, how much has Nazem Kadri helped you out in your transition and your strong start in the NHL? A lot. Uh, especially like uh, uh, we, we we talk a lot uh, before before the face of the draft, like what we're gonna do, and uh, it makes uh, much much easier for me. Uh, you know that, that goal, what I scored, that was uh, was a great pass by him. Uh, I just uh, I used my speed and uh, I went to the net and. But also they started uh, with a good uh, breakout, um, and uh, it was a great pass by by uh, by Katz. Is that is that one of the? 
those plays you guys have talked about at all, or did he just kind of see you flying and? Yeah, uh, uh, like we talked uh, before the game that uh, if he's gonna see me uh, on, the, on the side, then I will I will trust to try to use my speed uh, every time, and uh, all of a sudden uh, uh, we score after that. So that's pretty cool. There you go, Martin Pospisil post-game after this 5-4 loss in a shootout to the New York Islanders. Uh, he was the number two star in this game tonight uh, as the Flames fall uh, in the shootout. However, uh, they do pick up the point. They're now 4-1-2 and two in their last seven games. Let's select tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. I'm going to go with Jonathan Huberdeau tonight. I thought Huberdeau had a really solid game, especially as the game went along. Final 40 minutes, I thought he was really strong. Uh, Huberdeau finished finishes with one assist in the game, five shots on goal, all five, uh, he had five attempts and five shots. So all five of his attempts were on goal. All five of his attempts, all five of his shots were from the scoring chance area and four of them were from the slot. Like he was all around it. Plus he was distributing it well. I thought a really strong night for Jonathan Huberdeau. And we're going to go with him as tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca and and more games like that from Huberdeau, the better if you're a Flames fan or if you're the Calgary Flames. We're underway. 5-4 in a shootout. Flames fall to the New York Islanders. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's how you can get us here on Flames Talk. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Let's uh, head back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. Blake Coleman scored a big goal in this game as he got the Flames back within one late in the second period. Another good night for Coleman, who now leads the team in goals. How the, I don't know how many people would have that on the bingo card but Blake Coleman continues to be one of the most reliable players on this team he's up to five goals a team leading five goals let's hear from Coleman post game inside the Flames locker room like what was the uh, the difference ultimately the shooter that comes down I don't know how many people are happy with that sort of finish in this room but just what was the difference tonight so I thought it was another pretty good game um, a game that you know if, if five on five play keeps going I like our chances to win that game, but um, it is what it is, you know. Uh, we got to find a way to win these shootouts and, and OT games because they're going to be valuable points down the road. But, uh, you know, another deficit going into third and really good response from our group and gave ourselves a chance to win down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the result uh, isn't what you want. There's some some uh, things we got to clean up defensively that we gave up, but, um, again, I thought it was a really, really good effort. Are you seeing a more confident group? Are you noticing it? Because from the outside, it looks that you're seeing it in the body language and the way you guys are playing it, it looks that way. Yeah, I think, you know, I've kind of touched on a little bit, but individuals are starting to find their games and find that confidence within themselves, and, and as a group, we're starting to look um, a lot better. There's a lot more movement in the ozone, a lot more creativity when it was a little bit, uh, a little bit stale to start the year, so... Um, again, I think offensively we were great again. Um, created a lot against a pretty stingy team, and um, you know we just got to be a little bit better uh, in front of our goaltender. And um, you know we can't be giving up four, but if we can find a way to put four in, um, we're going to win a lot of games. Do you, do you feel like the, the process this group has had the past few games, where you've gotten points, maybe not one off them, but do you feel like the process is now starting to round into form with this group? Yeah, I, I think we're in a good place. You know, I think. Um, you know, one more shootout, one more guy scores in the shootout, and one more save, whatever it is. Um, we're sitting here with two points, and everybody's um, talking about, you know, what a great comeback it was. So it's just, 
um, you got to focus on the game itself and not on that that extra piece of it. But uh, I think everybody, like I said, the confidence has really grown in this group, and um, there's a lot of guys that are stepping on the ice expecting to make differences uh, in the game, and that wasn't necessarily the case, I don't think, um, three four weeks ago. So. Uh, still, always can learn, can always be better. There's, there's no satisfaction with where we're at, but um, if we continue to play this way and clean it up a little bit defensively, we're, like I said, we're going to be in a good spot. Mike, what, are you, what are you seeing from this Pospisil? He's got a motor. Um, he's got sneaky, good, good, uh, good hands and, and poise with the puck. Um, he plays hard. He runs guys over. He doesn't shy away from it. So. I love his game. Um, you know, he's, he's something that we were missing in our lineup, and he's added a lot to our lineup. Uh, you know, another guy the teams need to be aware of on the ice, and um, it's it's early, and the real challenge of this league is doing it for a full season. But uh, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue this uh, this good play. Does you it uh, mean anything to you leading this team in goals right now? Uh, I don't know. I didn't even realize that actually, but uh, no. I mean, I think it's a pretty. I think it speaks to our team. You know, I think we're getting contributions throughout the lineup right now, and um, we're not a team that's going to have a first line blow you away with 100 points right now. We're a team that's going to need guys to chip in from different lines each night, and and uh, there's probably a, 10 guys that have whatever three, four goals right there. So, um, you know, I think. I think it speaks more to the, the type of group we have, and everyone seems to have bought into that's how we're going to win games, and um, we're not going to rely on one or two guys to, to go out and steal them. So that part has to keep up. Like, this is going to have to be a by-committee type offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're on paper. We're a third line, and every time I get on the ice, I expect to outplay and, and outscore the team that, that we're playing against. So um, if you have that mindset, lines one through four, like I said, it's – it's not always going to be easy, and it's going to be a hard grind them down style of, of hockey. But uh, everybody's bought in now, and, and things are really rolling the right way. How do you get the uh, overtime lack of success? How do you prevent that from becoming a bit of a snowball? When in, when in regulation. <laughs> well, that would help too, right? <laughs> um, no, I mean it's something we're aware of, and you know we we continue to put in work on it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that that is the way it is, and it kept us out of a playoff spot last year. And we gotta we gotta correct it uh, so that it doesn't do it this year. But um, win in regulation is, is the best way to. There you go. That is Blake Coleman post game following the Flames in their 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders. I like that. Well, it's win in regulation. Let's not get there. Uh, I, I will say they look pretty darn uh, dangerous in overtime tonight. I'll, I'll say that much. I know they don't win it in overtime. The shootout was whatever. But um, in overtime, they looked pretty good. Uh, so, And you know what? They have the they have the overtime game in Toronto. They look really good in overtime. If they keep playing the way they're playing three on three, eventually I think that they're going to pop one before it gets to a shootout, and they'll win a shootout this year as well. I don't know if it's their most blessed area, 
but they'll win a shootout this year as well. We've got inside the Flames locker room. Geez, we've heard live from Connor Zary. We heard live here in the hot stove lounge from Dan Lambert. We also heard from Ryan Huska, Martin Pospisil, Blake Coleman, and Mackenzie Weger. Comprehensive postgame coverage continues here on your Flames Talk postgame. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's uh, let's look ahead. It is uh, time for Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up, the Seattle Kraken, Monday night. It's an 8 o'clock face-off on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1. And, uh, well, the Flames have dominated Seattle since the Kraken entered the league in 2021. They've now played in eight head-to-head matchups, and the Flames are 7-1 and one lifetime against the Kraken. So they've only lost the one time. They are perfect at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle as well. Uh, they've already won there once this year, a 6-3 win on November 4th. Um, that was game one of their four-game season series. This will be the second and final trip to Climate Pledge for the Flames this year on Monday. So that'll be Monday night. Kicks off a four-game road trip that also takes them through uh, Nashville on Wednesday, Dallas on Friday, and it wraps up one week from tonight, next Saturday in Colorado. That's Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Biotech.com. Back to the text line we go at 960-960. What else we got here following a 5-4 shootout loss to the New York Islanders? Um, Lots of things to uh, dive into. Uh, This says from, uh, to anyone else, I don't know who this is from, but to anyone out there who still says Calgary doesn't yet have a first line, well, Calgary already had a first line for the past four games. It's called Kadri and the Kids. Right now, that's the only line that has some chance to give us a goal when they need one. I'm glad they have the best Connor in Alberta and maybe the NHL. Uh, Are they the first line? Yeah, I mean, it's... I tend to, when I tweet out lines, I tend to do it based on how they skate them for the most part. So, for instance, in warm-up today, the Lindholm line went first, the Kadri line went second, and the Backlund line went third. And you just heard Blake Coleman say, on paper, they're a third line. When they show up, I'm guessing, I, I, I don't know this because this is behind closed doors, but I'm guessing on their screen or their roster sheet that's taped up that uh, that would be the order as well. Lindholm is the line. Line one, Kadri uh, is line two, and Backlund is line three. That's how they would uh, shape up when they do their internal depth chart and post it in the locker room. But um, I would say that the way the Kadri line has played, yeah, they've been playing like a first line, at least a, an offensive first line. Ryan Huska has been feeding them ozone starts, and they have been feeding on those ozone starts. So, yeah, I think they probably are the first line right now. Sam writes, Pat, good on the boys to battle back. Really enjoying Pospisil's game. Goes to the front of the net, physical, and has a good set of hands. So, Pat, to me, they sit three points out of the final wild card spot with two games before Thanksgiving. To me, I want to see where this team stands after the next seven games. To me, that'll determine whether this team should go with a small pivot or a drastic pivot. Your thoughts? Well, definitely the next six. This four-game road trip and then two home games against Vegas and Dallas. That could give a, a lot of 
a lot of clarity as to where this thing is going for sure. Uh, this says, Pat, a couple of questions for you. With how poor the power play is, how much does it have to do with coaching and how much of it has to do with the fact they don't have any high-end players to make this a true advantage? Also, when it comes to the shootout, what is it with this team that they can't win? Hashtag bring back Nick Ritchie. Um, well, Nick Ritchie didn't, didn't win it either, remember? Uh, but as for the power play, I do think personnel is a part of it. Um, and I think... The fact that they don't have any true elite high-end finishing talent is a part of it. But in saying that, they do have a guy like Jonathan Huberdeau who distributes the puck at an elite level when he's on. And and I think actually showed some of that. He was the only guy I really liked on the power play in their three opportunities tonight. Um, I, I think Kadri has actually been a little bit better on the power play of late. I, I've really liked the way. I didn't like him so much tonight, but I really liked the way that Kadri has been entering the zone with possession and and then making the right decision at the blue line to let the team start to set up. You know, I actually, the the thing that has been maybe the most difficult to watch from the outside is just once they're in zone, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of unpredictability with what they're doing. And so it, for a penalty kill, and, and Mick's talked a lot about this, when you're, you're not very predictable, it really allows a penalty kill to get comfortable and they start, really getting into a groove and then you know so I, I I think that the biggest thing right now is they got to find a way to be more unpredictable in the offensive zone and and you even heard Ryan Huska say it when we played a little earlier the head coach he said they, they've got to have the same play fast mentality on the power play as they do at five on five if they can get their heads around that if that can start to be something we see more often um that uh then that is that's, that's going to be a big step forward for it, I think. This from Christian. I was at the game tonight in the club section. Awesome seats. Was impressed by how the Flames battled back twice. They definitely earned a point the way they played. It was definitely one of the more intense regular season games I've been to. I do question why Anderson was in the shootout instead of Lindholm or Kadri. Very loud atmosphere tonight, too. Well, I think mainly, again, I, I think it goes back. You have... You have books on goalies, and you have strengths of uh, players, and so you match those when you do your shootout decisions. You also have the head coach's feel. If he feels a guy is going, sometimes uh, you, you put out the guys that that that, that is – or you put out a guy that is feeling it that maybe would be a guy that you wouldn't put out other nights. Um, it all, all those things come into it when choosing shootout participants. Um what else we got here at 96960? Uh, young NHLers, you say? Target Dawson Mercer in New Jersey. I've been shouting this from the rooftop for a year. The only problem that's from Greg and Varsity, the only problem with Dawson Mercer is that I think the New Jersey Devils look at him as a big part of their team. He's got uh, three goals and four points in 16 games so far this year, but I do think the Devils look at Mercer, who had 56 points last year, as a big part of their future, so I feel like he'd be a difficult guy to pry away from New Jersey. Um this read, the, the Islanders are what the Flames will become if they don't trade off their UFAs. The Flames need to rebuild, retool, or whatever you want to call it. They don't have a number one center in the organization or any high-end defensive prospects. Rebuilding is the only way to go if the team's interested in winning a Stanley Cup. Um, 
This says, uh, great game tonight. A question on the stats front. Seems like the Flames are still putting up 40-plus shots in most games this season, heavily outshooting the other team. What's their high-danger shots, total shots this year compared to last year? The eye test tells me there's more than just pure shot volume this year. They seem to be getting in the slot more. I don't have the time to go pull out all those numbers because it takes some math and and some writing and stuff like that that just is no good to be doing while you're talking live in an audio-only format. Um, But last I looked, they are slightly ahead. They are doing a better job of turning their volume and and their time into more meaningful chances. Um, What else we got here at 960-960? Eric in the Ranchland says, uh, long story short, another great game by the Flames. Huberto was good, and I believe he was put in the shootout as a gamble. If he doesn't score, it could hurt his confidence, which is the last thing he needs. But if he did score, oh my goodness, what a boost to his confidence it would be. Also, I too am done with shootouts. Hockey's a team sport. Shootouts are not. That comes from Eric in the Ranchlands. Um... This says uh, from Rick, shame to not get both points, but the effort was solid. Power plays costing points. It needs a makeover. Huberto was fantastic this evening. Very encouraging. Here's hoping for a strong road trip. Matt writes, I'm loving watching Pospisil. I'm shocked they didn't give him a shot in the shootout. He's proving that nothing's impospisil. I see what you did there. When you're a depth guy in the system, looking forward to seeing more of him. Have a good night. That comes from Matt. Um... (sighs) This says, uh, I'm just reading, there's a bunch of one-liners and uh, all that type of stuff. Uh, Pat, of the remaining four big UFAs, how many sign, how many are traded, and how many walk to free agency? I'm going to say three are traded, uh, and there's a potential. You know what? You know what, actually? I'm going to say all four are traded. Just I, I, that, That's just, as of right now, on November 18th, my gut says that all four are traded. That's that's what I and it may not all be at the same time, but that's uh, as of right now. That can always change, but as of right now, that's uh, the way that I think is trending towards for the Calgary Flames. Great stuff tonight on the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. We got four more calls to get to on the phone lines. Let's get to them right now. Following a five four shootout loss to the New York Islanders, it's your Flames Talk post game show. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's say hello to Chris. What's up, Chris? Hey man, how are you? Can you hear? Oh, good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. First time I've gotten through. Uh, love your show, first off. I love the way you uh, you can shut down some callers with, with a statement backed by some, some factual stats. Every once in a while, I love listening to it. But, uh, yeah, I got, about, I got three quick statements. I just want to hear your thoughts on a couple things. Um, number one... I agree with you early in the season, especially with Huberdell. I don't think it's, it's not him. We, we lost some superstars, and we had to sign someone, and we did. We got Huberdell. He's an elite passer, and I put it on the supporting cast, who's not finding the open ice and helping him out when they're out there. And, it is, and do you think maybe it's partly coaching, or if it's just all the supporting cast out there on the line with them? I, I think um, that it. I, I think that it is a. Um, I think for me anyway, Chris. I think it's kind of a a number of different things. I, I don't think it is solely Jonathan. Um, so I, I do think that. Yeah. W- whether it's you want to call it supporting cast or just what what I I do think there's been an adjustment to him 
by teammates and him adjusting yeah. to teammates. So I think that's part of it. But I also think that he, he has some things that, that he can do better and he can adjust, and I still think he's working through oh, those yeah. things. I can agree with you. I'll agree with you on that for sure. Um, but I think it, it's almost like the, the Flames went through that a pretty rough patch to, to open the season. And yes. it's almost like uh, – some players, a lot of the supporting staff, like I say, got kind of. It seemed like they got down on themselves and weren't putting the effort in with with skating, especially to find that open ice. I, I think uh, they they've been playing better, and I hope to see those guys, whoever's put on the line with them, really try and find that open ice because he'll find them. He's he is a good player. Um, the other thing. Um, was uh, you were talking earlier about the shootouts and yeah. uh, and and the overtime talking about ten minute three on three, yeah. Uh, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see him go back to four on four because if I watch another five minute overtime with four and a half minutes of passing back across their own blue line just to maintain control, that's just that is not good hockey. That is, and, and I understand why they do it because. They think as long as they have control, they're controlling the game. But it makes for – it's just boring. I'd rather – like, you might as well just go straight to the shootout, really. And I hate the shootout. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. You know? Well, that's, but but why, not, why not do five five minutes of four-on-four four and then five minutes of three-on-three, three and then and then if, if all else fails, go to the shootout, sure. Because I, I, I agree with you also, can't stand the ties. Yeah, I, I I just feel like in this day and age, ties are. I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you'd have enough people that would be okay with paying good money to watch a game that doesn't get decided. Um, the uh, and, yeah. and maybe I I know I wouldn't. I know I'd be pissed if I went to a game but, and I didn't get. But a I mean, can you imagine nine and a half minutes of passing back and passing well, back? Well, so passing so back. Chris, what do you what fun. do you think? What do you think of the um, the NHL's? potential rule change where they're going to or they're thinking about anyway um, making some changes to three on three and essentially uh, making an over and back rule where you can't do some of those things where once you're once you're across the offensive red line like once I think that's the way it was once you're into the uh, one end of the ice you can't turn it back uh, and you can't go back and what about things like that yeah I mean, sure, it's it's worth trying something, but but why not? I I found four on four overtime quite entertaining when they had that. So I didn't mind I, four on four either. Yeah. Um, it was, but the I problem think it's worth is to try because yeah. The the problem is, Sorry. Chris, is that it's, that's okay. Um, the problem yeah. is is that we're we're talking about the best league in the world with the best coaching and the best players in the world. Yeah. And so eventually, whatever you do. The the coaches are too smart, the players are too well coached, and they're too smart mm-hmm, yeah. that eventually they're going to start figuring out the new game. So when the shootout came in, there were guys who were right. absolute dynamos at it, and then all of a sudden you learned a little bit more about the shootout, and then those yeah. guys weren't as good. And then three-on-three three started, and it was this chaotic, exciting, um, and and really, really fresh new thing in the game. It and was. Then coaching, yeah. And then coaches started to understand it more, and then all of a sudden it became yeah. more of a possession game. So I, I don't know if there's ever any way around that, you know? Well, maybe their new rule might work. Kind of like the shift the shift rule came into baseball. In baseball. That right up. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe you're right. The coaches are just, 
and the players are just too too elite, too good that they just figure it out and they find ways around these rules until you make a new one. I don't know. I think but, that uh, is ki- yeah. I think that is kind of the uh, the moral of the story for me is that. They'll always find, I don't want to call them loopholes because that makes it seem like they're doing something wrong, but they'll always find ways because they're that good. The The coaching in this league yeah. is that good that they'll always find ways to come up with ways to, um, to, to beat a new idea, right? Yeah. No, I agree. Well, thanks for taking my call and uh, keep up the good work with, uh, with all your comments. I, I just I love it when uh, angry you kind of shut him down with uh, with a statement and you hold you hold to to what you say and uh, you shut him down with some factual stats. I, I just love it. So keep well, up I, the good work. Thanks, Chris. Keep listening, man. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Have a great night. Hey, you too. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, let's continue right along on our uh, Flames Talk phone lines tonight. Say hello to Myron. What's up, Myron? Good evening. I'm fine. I'm, I, I know you're fine because everybody asks you that. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> anyway, maybe, it's cha- maybe that's changed. No, I'm fine. No, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I'm just calling to elaborate on this three-on-three overtime soccer soccer game or whatever you want to call it. Um, I have an idea that I think would work, and I'm surprised – this hasn't been discussed before, but I think it's quite simple. If the attacking team takes the puck out of the attacking zone back towards their zone, mm-hmm. the referee immediately gives a signal to the bench of the other team to put an extra player on. So that means the play doesn't get interrupted by a whistle. That would be terrible because it would take all the momentum away from the three-on-three overtime. And just keep the play going, but the referee just gives a quick hand signal indicating, yep, you could put a player on now. So then the uh, defending team that doesn't have the puck or didn't have the puck, they throw an extra player on. Now that'll sure teach a coach not to have his players retreat like that back out of the zone. What do you think of that? See, like I, I it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely innovative. Um, I, uh, I feel like for me, that would be just because of, of, um, my small brain capacity. Uh, I feel like that would be confusing for me. That would, that would be the only thing, you know. That's and that's even what I, 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 I wonder about. You know, I, I, I worry about some of these conversations, Myron. Like for instance, what you just suggested. I think it's actually a pretty innovative idea, and I think innovative is good in this day and age. Part of the problem is even with the the whole idea of them instituting an over and back rule, which is essentially that once you cross the offensive blue line or once you cross the uh, offensive red line, whatever the case may be, that you can't go back. You've got to stay in zone. How difficult is that to police and how much gray area is there uh, when it comes to you know, uh, enforcing that, calling penalties, whatever the case may be. So I, 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 and I'm not saying that these are bad ideas or that they're wrong. They're just more questions that I'm trying to figure out in my own head as we have these conversations, right? Uh, I think they should try it in the next season's um, exhibition games. In other words, try it out, see what happens, see what the response is like. In, these games aren't costing anybody anything, so that's a good time to experiment. And if it looks like it's working, then invoke it for the for the real games for the season. Because I, I think it would be pretty devastating to the 
to the coach when he sees that this other player comes on because now they're playing four four against three once you know once the play continues. Yeah. Why well, I, I what I am really interested in is whether or not any of these um any of these changes or, or this particular change that has been thrown around, I'm curious if it if it is something that gets A, voted on, and and if it ends up getting favor, like if, if it's a favorable response, and if so, does that mean that we're talking about changes for next year? It's going to be uh, it's an interesting one to watch, my friend. Okay, that's what I had. All right, Myron, you have yourself a great night. Thank you. Take care. Uh, two more calls before we wrap things up tonight. Travis is up next. What's up, Trav? Hey, buddy. Um, it was a fun game to watch, actually. You know, they had some lulls, but um, overall they were pushing quite a bit, too, so that was nice to see. Yeah, it was um, a fine game. They, were, they, I mean, they weren't perfect. They, um, there are definitely things that they uh, would have liked to do a little bit differently and, and some stretches in that game where they, they weren't as happy with their overall play. But uh, they, again, uh, showed some real resilience and, and, again, showed some real fight. So, and they, they were, let's not forget they were playing a desperate team that had lost seven in a row themselves. So <laughs> they, there was a lot of incentive for the Islanders to figure things out tonight. They definitely battled for sure. Um, I think the Achilles heel right now is that power play. Um, at times, it's actually um, having the opposite effect and and um, maybe sure. being a little bit deflating, right? And losing some of the, the energy they create right now. But um, <clears throat> what can you do? For me, Hubert, honestly, that was probably one of the best games I've seen them play, I thought, for the Flames. Um, Passes were a little more direct. I think he he was circling a bit. Yeah, he felt yeah like like to me for anyone that once we, we've been bashing him or maybe not happy or whatever it might be. Um, I think that was a real solid game for him. And you've seen the the reason why we paid him big money. You, you've seen the flashes of, flashes of that this evening. Yep, yep, and 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 some of them against Vancouver as well. Yeah, um, you know, we need the top line to get going. The second line's when, like, what could you ask more from the second line at this point? Um, back when Huberto and Coleman overall has been solid for, for a couple of these games. Yeah, but um, basically, basically, more. basically since Zeri got here, so that's eight games now that Zeri's played, and in all eight of them, the line, pretty much anyway, I think there's been one where maybe this wasn't the case, but in uh, seven of the eight games that Kadri and Zeri have played together, I think three of them have been with Pospisil and five of them with Sharon Govich. And, you know, that line is usually one of the two or the two, one of the two best lines on the ice for the Flames, if not the best line. And they were very good again tonight. Oh, I think that line was solid. Every single one of them was um they're all moving their feet. They all have jump in their game and all making and making smart plays for the most part too, you know? Yep. So, because um, you can always make that high-risk play up the middle, but the smarter play is maybe to keep it on the outside until you have the proper play, which, um, yeah, just obviously helps not getting chances against. Um, and then... So I know on Eric Francis Fridays yesterday, he was saying three of the four. Who would be the player who, would, who wouldn't be getting traded? I I don't I don't I'm not. I uh, have to ask Eric. 
No, no, no. But I'm, I'm just like, what's your opinion? Is, like, is anyone that's going to stay? You think? Well, did you? I did. You were on hold. You heard me just say what my opinion was. Oh, so I, I was wasn't actually paying attention. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that hurts. That hurts yeah. my feelings. Sorry, buddy. Um, I, I said <laughs> Matt asked me the same. I think all four get traded. Okay, fair. Yeah, I think yeah, that, that's uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of cool to hear that. Maybe they're looking at instead of picks more the younger generation of player that they could well, mold again, into I don't their th- team. I don't think it is. Uh, I, I don't think either Trav that it's um, one or the other. Like I don't think they're like we're only looking at NHLers between the age of twenty two and twenty five, or we're only looking for. I think they're looking for the best possible package in each of these deals, and I think all three of those things are desirable. All three of those things are things they'd like to ha- like that they would be looking at when making a deal. Uh, I don't think it means that they're all. I think that. They'd be willing to have conversations about all of them, and I do know that they do look at young NHLers as a big part of the conversation, and and they do covet them as well, uh, kind of at the the same level as some of the other future assets you could be talking about. Um, and Patrick, the reason I wasn't paying attention, as you may know, it's fantasy football trade deadline, so um, there's only a couple hours to make a trade. So I apologize. <laughs> did, you guys, did you do anything big? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Our, our dynasty ones next weekend. Um, our redraft ones tonight. So okay. we'll see. I had Burrow and Watson both out for the season in dynasty. <laughs> so um, now yeah, I need you a might, quarterback. You, you might need a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I'm a contending team. I'm eight and two, first first place. So it's kind of kind of crappy. <laughs> Who are, but, so you, um, you're gonna you're gonna have to get. Are you a super flex? No, it's not. It's one QB league. Oh well, then I mean, you can probably if you got a good enough team, you can probably stream uh, at least. A, you could probably stream if you well, need to. No, no, no. It's a fourteen team and it's ten bench spots, oh, three okay. wide receiver, ten three flex, and ten spots. rookie spots, and ten Holy. rookie spots. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, go, yeah, trade. go trade for a quarterback then. <laughs> there's no one out there. Um, and then one, one other one, and I'll let you go, Patty, and it's not really to do with the game, but, you know, in the NFL, they have the goal line camera, and I know there's, a, like, a lot of close plays on the blue line. Don't you think by now they should have the technology to to definitely say if it's a goal or not, like a camera there? You know what I'm saying? Like, football gets it pretty much bang on, and the NHL struggles to, to tell at times if it's an actual goal or not. Yeah, it's it's – I mean, probably – I mean, it, it feels like it feels like I can um, I, I I can do a lot of things in a thing that's like five inches by two inches. I can do a lot of things with my phone. I feel like they probably could put some sort of camera in the crossbar that gave you a definitive answer as to whether. I mean, there, you're always going to have the idea of a goaltender who could cover a puck. Like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to get past that part of it and potential obstructions. But, yes, I, I do think there's probably something to be said that they could um, have a little bit more definitiveness on some of their calls. Sure. For sure. Cool, Pat. Well, thanks uh, for taking my call. You have a good night, buddy. We'll talk soon, Trav. Appreciate it, man. And our last call tonight is Parsons on a Saturday. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. Uh, yeah, I just got back from the game. Nice. Um, 
yeah, I was I was lucky, man. I actually had uh, uh, box suite tickets tonight, so I was uh, kind of nice and level and got to see a lot of the play and got to focus on a lot of it, so that was kind of nice. It was a first for me, so I was oh, nice. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, pretty lucky, pretty lucky. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting game. It was definitely back and forth, um, kind of sloppy on both ends, I, I felt. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think Marky could have definitely had a tighter game, but um, I guess I could be said for the other side as well. But um, See, I thought Mark- I thought goaltending on both sides was actually really good tonight. I don't know if no, that was – no. And, I, and I, I can't, I can't, I can't really blame Marky because we're not, we're not protecting the slot, um, and that's that keeps being a problem with this team where we're not protecting the slot, especially in the middle. And um, I think a lot of, I think two, two or three out of the goals were directly from that area, and they were just quick. So as soon as we scored, they they, they would hammer back like boom right away. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought the most impressive player on the team tonight, hands down, was Pospisil. Yep. Um, I mentioned him last time I called in. I'll mention him again. Uh, he's an interesting character to me. Uh, he brings a lot of speed. Like, he's very speedy. And he's got hands, and he's smart, and he's a grinder, and he's – not afraid to muck it up. I really like this guy, Pat. Um, I thought uh, Zeri was a little bit more quiet out there, but but in a still way, had he's two, not. still had two points. I know, and he's like sneaky. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The one the one thing I like about him is he'll be out there, but he makes plays. Like he's a very very intelligent player. So if he knows he doesn't have a play, he knows where to leave the puck. Yep. Um, yep. That's, that, that's and that was I, that was always the uh, that was always the book on him in uh, in junior as well. Is that right? Eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed that line the the cadre line there they they were really good uh, I I felt like Lindholm I'm not sure where he's at um I really don't want to lose Big Z but I guess we're gonna but. Um, yeah, it's just it's nice to go to an actual game and be live and get the vibe and everything like that. And I'm glad that these guys say that they're close, and I hope that's the case. And you know, but I understand there's going to be a lot of changes coming up. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, other than that, uh, I have no comment on the shootout or nothing like that. I mean, it, it's a gamble. You, you throw a three out there, right? So. Um, kind of sometimes I wish they would use some of the younger fellas because they, you know, they typically have more tricks up their up their sleeve. But um, I thought I thought it was a hard fought game. We got a point. Let's you know go on from it. And but I really like this Pospisil kid. Like that's primarily why I'm calling in. Is this this guy is he kind of reminds me of a younger Billy Neiman. <laughs> I know that's a weird comparison. More skill than Neiman more, had. but but more offensive upside. Yes, and I can yeah. tell he's get, I can tell he gets under the skin of the opposition. He does indeed. Yes, 
So I I really like this guy, man. So yeah, other than that, I know you've been on all day and I'm just getting back home. So um, I will bid you adieu, my friend. Okay. Be well. Uh, have a uh, have a good rest of your night, Pars. Good stuff, man. You too. Take care, man. And that will do it on the phone lines tonight. That'll do it on the text line tonight. Great stuff, as always, following a 5-4 shootout loss to the uh, to the New York Islanders here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Always appreciate your phone calls and your texts and for you being a part of our Flames Talk postgame family. It's time for our final summary. Here's how tonight's game went here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames actually opened the scoring on a beauty at 12-16 of the first period. Great finish from Martin Pospisil on a, as we just talked about, uh, Martin Pospisil on a partial breakaway. Pospisil really patient and ends up beating Ilya Sorokin for his third of the year at the 12-16 mark of the first period. Pospisil from Nazem Kadri and Connor Zary, and it was one nothing Calgary. Islanders push back, though. They get a Hudson fashion goal before the end of the first period to make it 1-1. His first from Cal Clutterbuck and Brock Nelson at 16:52, 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. Islanders uh, score a couple to take their first lead in the second period, starting with a power play goal from Kyle Palmieri, his fourth from Bo Horvat and Noah Dobson at 4:07. Then exactly four minutes later, Matt Barzell scores to make it 3-1 Islanders, his fourth unassisted at 8:07, and the Islanders led 3-1. Flames get one. Back Back before the end of the period, Blake Coleman gets his fifth of the year from Nick D. Simone and Jonathan Huberdeau at 17:03. That's a team-leading fifth goal of the season for Blake Coleman. And the Flames trailed 3-2 after 40. Early in the third, Calgary ties it on a Mackenzie Weger shot. Weger makes it 3-3 with his fourth of the year. Zary and Kadri the assists at 3-12. But exactly 20 seconds later on the very next shift, Islanders go back out in front by one. Brock Nelson scores to make it 4-3. Nelson's eighth from Pierre Engvall and Sebastian Ajo at 3-32. Islanders back in control, but with less than seven minutes to go. It's the Flames tying it again. A Yegor Sharangovich redirect makes it 4-4. His third from Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm at 13-43. We had a 4-4 tie after 60 minutes of play. To overtime we go. Nothing solved in overtime despite it being a really fun 3-on-3 overtime. So after 65 minutes we had ourselves a 4-4 tie. Uh, here's what the numbers look like after overtime and regulation. Shots were 39-33 in favor of the Flames. Calgary finished 0-3 for 3 on the power play. Islanders 1-3 for 3 with the man advantage. To the shootout we go. Flames start. Yegor Sharangovich scores. So does Bo Horvat for the Islanders. Then the next two shooters for each side do not score. Huberdeau and Anderson for Calgary. Barzell and Palmieri for the Islanders. So we're off to an extra round. Connor Zeri starts it off as uh, he does not score on Calgary's fourth shot. Shot, and that meant that Oliver Wallstrom had an opportunity to win it with the puck on his stick. He does. Rips it past Jacob Markstrom, and the Islanders win the shootout 2-1. They win the game 5-4. They snap their losing skid at 7. Uh, three stars tonight. Number 3, Kyle Palmieri. Number 2, Martin Pospisil. And with a couple of assists, Nazem Kadri, the number 1 star tonight. With the loss, Flames fall to 6-8 and 3. They're back in action Monday on the road in Seattle, while New York improves to 6-6-5. Six, six, 
Live. They're back in action Wednesday at home to Philadelphia. That's your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Randy Opperman, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That will uh, start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for the Flames is that game on Monday night in Seattle, 8 o'clock face-off, which means we're on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Saturday. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend. Final score from the Dome tonight, Flames fall 5-4 in a shootout to the New York Islanders. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts, and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.